Bridget Leslie speaks with a Moscow journalist whom we will call Robert Lansky to get his perspective on Putin's war. To protect our source, we have also altered the sound of his voice. Robert, the general consensus is that Russia may be heading for a Soviet-style inflation where prices stay the same but goods disappear. Any truth to that? Yeah, actually, just today we had uh, this uh, release of forecast of the Russian Central Bank, which uh, states that inflation this year would be like uh, up to 30, uh, 23%. But uh, the loss for the GDP would be like 10%. So uh, we have this uh, quite unstable economic situation in the country right now. But most of the population believes Russian propaganda. And actually people who live in rural areas or who live in industrial cities like Chelyabinsk or Perm, they don't see uh, sanctions affecting their everyday life. So uh, this is why, like most of the people in Russia, they they're not concerned about the sanctions. Of course, we all see that McDonald's has left the country, like IKEA uh, and all other brands. But for most of the people who live in these small cities, um, like we always have uh, alternatives. We always have some uh, sort of businesses who might substitute those who wish to leave the country. So, from general point of view, from what I can see from like Moscovians, who people in the capital, um, like they they are not reaching this watershed moment, I guess, because um, uh, I think the worst is yet to come. Because um, like uh, people in Russia, they're like uh, walking contradictions. They partly truth and partly fiction because people they just um, think only about themselves, thinking only about their lives. But of course, we have this uh, like prices like slightly increasing, but it's not something like uh, really uh, causing so much panic in Russians. We had this crisis in the beginning of March when we saw like crisis when the sugar prices hit the record. Like we saw babushkas, we saw like grannies uh, all up, all through the Moscow. Uh, they were queuing for sugar and they were fighting in shops just to have this uh, sugar. But right now we don't have this deficit. But um, of course, uh, like people are worrying because of some prices are really uh, have risen. For example, right now in Russia, we would have like two weeks of holidays. We will have like 1st of May, May, like the Labor Day, and we will have like national holidays on the 9th of May, which is the Victory Day. Um, like we are praising the victory of the Soviet troops in the uh, Second World War. And so we're having like the whole week of the holidays. And uh, we see that uh, many Russians have witnessed the uh, like increase, significant increase in the uh, tickets price, in prices of the air tickets. And um, for example, uh, last year, when I was thinking about going from Moscow to Sochi, which is the sovereign capital of Russia, the city, like the most popular city among Russians, um, tickets were like uh, about uh, $50 or maybe even less. And this year we have them starting their prices uh, up from $100 and $120. And so um, like Russians see that something bad is happening, but uh, you know, um, 
in French cuisine, um, when you have these frogs, if you want to cook them, uh, you have to put them in cold water. If you put frogs uh, in the heating water, these frogs would immediately jump out of this uh, pot. But uh, if you put frogs in cold water and slowly increase the heating, increase the temperature, then frogs would be boiled. So that's the secret how French people cook these frogs. And uh, this is happening to Russians right now because like, we don't see like uh, the immediate heat hitting the Russian economy, but we see the temperature is slightly rising. And that's why most of the Russians, they don't see the immediate uh, outcomes of the sanctions. But um, many Russian economists, and not only Russian, but like experts from the IMF, they predict that this tsunami of sanctions would uh, badly hit Russian economy um, as far as soon as uh, in July or August. So uh, many Russians are preparing for the wars, but... Um, you know, Russia is not so, like, according to the GDP per capita, Russia is not like um, the rich country. Because most of the Russian population, they live from salary day to another salary day. They don't have any savings. And so this is why, I guess, um, we have to predict that some gloomy forecasts can be made for Russians who live in, like, poorest areas of the country. And um, from the capital, from Moscow, what I can see from here, we actually, apart from McDonald's, apart from departure of this company from the country, we don't witness any serious outcomes or aftershocks of this sanctions in the capital. What's the value of the ruble right now? Yeah, actually, it's uh, really surprisingly um, dollar and euro be uh, like uh, decreasing. We see that ruble is gaining its force, it's uh, uh, like gaining its value back. And so right now, I just checked the euro and it was at the level of the summer of 2020. So um, it's like 74 rubles for one euro. That's like the record minimum. And, um, you know, um, this is happening artificially. This is not what like it's, it should be. It's just artificial because of the uh, interventions made by the Russian Central Bank. Because currently, uh, people can't buy freely the currency. And this is why when nobody buys this currency, of course, it will not uh, increase. But uh, I saw analysis uh, by Bloomberg, I guess, if I'm not mistaken, which um, predicts that if these interventions would stop, then uh, Russian currency would immediately go down to like 180 rubles for one dollar. This is like three times more than we see currency sports right now. We've seen international news that Visa, MasterCard, American Express pulled out of the country, Apple Pay pulled out. Is it true that all of the online methods of shopping are ceased and payments are no longer being accepted have the everyday Russians found a new way for shopping online for European mm -hmm. and international goods? Yeah, actually, that's like the problem. Because, for example, my hairdresser, we just discussed it yesterday, he told me that he can't pay for his Netflix and he can't pay for his Spotify. And so, but he uh, then immediately switched to the Russian analogs because we have like Yandex Music, which is the Russian provider for music, 
we have like Rike music, which is the Russian analog for the Facebook. It's like, you know, China has its own networks or like WeChat and uh, Bing and all others. And the same is happening to Russia because like Russians are like, they not stick to only one network. Most of the Russians, uh, like especially like elderly people or like my parents, they use on the classic here, which is also Russian social network, which is uh, famous for like, because it's popular among people like 40 years uh, plus. And um, all of these people, they don't use uh, Netflix, they don't use uh, Spotify. But among youngsters, among the people living in the capitals, of course, they got used to the Western services. Because most of the people in capitals, they got used to watching uh, TV series on Netflix uh, on weekends. You know, it's really hard for them to searching for the alternatives. And even Apple Music is not working in Russia. But we have um, alternatives. And also, I just saw it in news today, a Russian newspaper reported that um, people are trying to sell the uh, subscription options for the Spotify and Netflix. And uh, these are people who live currently, who are currently residing in the West, and they're trying to sell their family subscriptions uh, through the Avita, which is the Russian analog for Amazon. And uh, like prices are like um, about $100 for one subscription. And I know that people are really considering these options. In Russian, um, for example, I went to Turkey because I had my work trip to Turkey and um, my cards were not working there. My cards were not accepted there. Even though I had this uh, Mir, which is the uh, Russian analog for the payments, it's like uh, the, uh, you know, in Iran, they made their own uh, payment system. Or, or if I'm not mistaken, it's like Shabbat or something like, like this. Yeah, uh, we have to check this information. And this payment system uh, works only in Iran. And uh, it's like, okay, for Iranians to use it inside of the country. And this Russian payment system, Mir, is also working in Russia and in Turkey. We have only two countries where this system is uh, really working. And also we have Armenia, we have like uh, uh, in some banks in Cyprus, in some banks in uh, United Arab Emirates, but mostly and in reality, it doesn't work anywhere except for Russia and Turkey. And in Turkey, it works only with three banks. I don't remember all of them, but it's just three banks. And uh, for example, a Russian tourist, um, their favorite destination for previous years before the war, this was Turkey and um, more than 2 million Russians uh, went to Turkey last year. And um, if Turkey will not find any way to provide Russians with the payments, so this means that Russians will not be able to pay. And we also have Egypt, uh, which is also currently considering to let Russians pay in their national currency in rubles for the hotels in Egypt. So um, this is why I guess like um, Russians are trying to find a way to like find substitute to Western services and to find how to use their uh, national payment system, which is called Mir. So it seems to me on face value that these sanctions aren't working? Yeah, actually, it's, uh, they are, we have to wait. That's if the short answer is like, we have to wait because as I told, uh, it's like tsunami. 
you don't expect that they are immediately hitting the country's economy. But of course, they will hit and we just have to wait until July or August because a recession will come and like these interventions of the central bank, they can't be constant. They can't constantly uh, try to make everything stable because they would have to let uh, economy um, to to sunk. <laughs> Mm-hmm. To think, I guess, but for now, from the Western point of view, of course, sanctions are not working uh, because, as I think, the main idea of the sanctions from the Western point of view was to make uh, Russians to protest, to march uh, to the cities and to demand end of this war. And uh, from this point of view, from this perspective, it's, yeah, they are not working. And um, people are getting angry, but they immediately switch to alternatives. So um, if West uh, really wants uh, these sanctions to work, then it it has to, in my opinion, it has to make sanctions work against um, the Russian oligarchs. It has to make sanctions work against the Arab countries who provide Russian oligarchs with the safe havens. For example, like our United Arab Emirates. This country providing all of these services to Russian oligarchs. And from the flight radar service, we see that Russian oligarchs are constantly moving and flying for shopping to the Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And uh, we also see Turkey. Uh, which is not supporting Russian sanctions. And we see China. But actually, uh, Chinese approach is like um, not so uh, straightforward. Uh, it's ambiguous. Because um, uh, from the wording, from, uh, what, from the speeches of the Chinese officials, we see that they don't support sanctions. They don't support this unipolar world, as they put it. But um, from the real perspective, we see, for example, Huawei, Huawei Pay, it's not working anymore in Russia. And we see that Samsung, which is the South Korean um, company, is also uh, closed its uh, shops in Moscow. And uh, we know AliExpress, uh, which is the famous like um, uh, producer of goods and the transportation company. And AliExpress is also facing some problems uh, working with Russian banks who are under sanctions. Um, according to my friends who work in this company, um, they currently can't accept payments from the banks who are under sanctions. And we have Chinese payment system Union Pay, which is also uh, like uh, was seen by the Russian government as the way to find alternative to the Western Visa and Mastercard. But um, we have uh, like. Uh, we have messages that this union pay is not working in countries of Europe. So this means that uh, if West is really wants to deprive uh, Russian oligarchs from their wealth, uh, then it has to work with these uh, havens, with these countries like uh, United Arab Emirates, Turkey and China, in my opinion. And for most of the Russian population, of course, life is getting harder but not at that level that they would go for protests. But when it comes to July, August, you're saying that that's when recession starts to hit. And do you think that then they'd start to protest? You know, we have a Russian proverb, like um, Russian man is slow to harness, but easy to write. And um, 
uh, I guess by July and August, um, of course, there would be a recession. There would be drawback in the Russian economy. But we don't have to expect that Russians would go to protest because so Russians believe to their television. Unfortunately, we have to admit that uh, Russian television and Russian propaganda really works good. And even my parents, they believe to propaganda. And every time I'm coming home, every time I have to uh, argue with them about what's going on in Ukraine, they like they really believe, they put it in their hearts that um, Ukraine has problems with Nazis. And um, they were arguing with me that uh, Zelensky, even though he's Jew, he supported uh, Nazis, Nazi battalions, and he was marching with his fires. So this is why I think that um, Russians, uh, they, uh, like, they don't have any alternative views. And when economy would be thinking, Russians, Russian propaganda would be saying that this is because of Western sanctions, not because of our war. So this is why I don't think that Russians would be protesting. But um, of course, you know, um, another perspective that uh, I see right now is mothers of the soldiers who died in Ukraine. Because like uh, we have this spring conscription begun on 1st of April. And um, we have a lot of a lot of conscripts this year. Like one hundred and fifty thousand are expected to be conscripted to the Russian army. And their mothers, they're really worried that their son might be ended up in Ukraine. And this is why we see that uh, Russian parents don't want their children to go to the army, and they're afraid that they would die in Ukraine. In Ukraine. So this is why, like, we can expect and we can await. Uh, some protest movement coming from these mothers and parents from of this conflict and uh, from the relatives of people who died in Ukraine. For example, we have this um, cruiser, uh, Russian Moskva, which sank in the Black Sea last week. And um, we saw the father of one of these uh, sailors who died there. And the father of this man he was really uh, in favor of the Russian army. He was in favor of uh, what's uh, like was the general course of the uh, Russian uh, statements, and he started asking himself what's happened, why his son, who was a conscript, why he disappeared, why this happened to him, and he became like the critic of the regime, and he became like critic of what's going on uh, in Russia. What was the propaganda that you heard about the ship that sank? Actually, you know, um, Russian propaganda, they, uh, we have like the first channel, which is the Perry in Russia, and they put only 30 seconds in their news about this uh, thing of this uh, cruiser ship. And uh, their perspective for now is uh, to silence everything about the ship. And so uh, we had news, like we have, we still have some independent media outlets like Medusa, like uh, Moscow Times and Dost TV channel, which was like closed, but his journal, its journalists are still continue to working from Georgia, from other countries. And um, they um, found out that uh, Russian Ministry of Defense uh, was like um, telling parents of this tailorman that uh, they have to be silent if they would like to receive some payments. 
And uh, this is why uh, we see that their strategy is to totally silence everything about the ship and trying to forget about everything that happened. But um, we see from like news that are leaking that um, President Putin was really angry with the news about Moscow and um, that put an end to the, uh, any kind of negotiations with Ukraine. So um, we can't confirm this information, but uh, some sources are telling that that was a watershed moment for Russia to continue its war and to stop all of the negotiation process with Ukraine. Robert, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you very much, you too. Bridget Leslie's extended interview with Robert Lancey can be found at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Travel Writers Radio. This is the Travel Writers Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.